This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Christian Credit Counselors. If you're struggling with credit card debt but don't know where to start, our trusted partner, Christian Credit Counselors, offers a debt management program that can get you out of credit card debt 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. Contact them to get out of debt today at ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Did you know that credit cards have three dimensions, length, width, and debt? Hi, I'm Rob West. Today, we're going to talk about credit cards. They can be a great tool, but they also carry some hidden costs that you should know about. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. You know, Proverbs 22, 7 warns us the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Is that anywhere more obvious than with credit cards? It's so easy to become enslaved by carrying a balance. And recent surveys show that nearly half of credit card holders in the U.S. carry a balance from month to month. With the average interest rate now at just over 24%, it's easy to see the cost of not paying off a credit card in full every month. But let's say you use a credit card for much of your monthly spending, racking up rewards points, but paying off the balance faithfully each month. Are there still costs that may not be as obvious? Well, it turns out the answer is yes, due mainly to psychology. Studies have shown that folks using credit cards tend to spend from 10 to 30% more on purchases than people using cash. The psychology there is that it's more difficult to part with actual dollars than it is to swipe a credit card. On the other hand, using a credit card makes it easier to not only spend more, but to leave larger tips for services and to buy things on impulse, which you're a lot less likely to do if using cash. Now, keep in mind that the tendency to spend more with a credit card applies even if you pay off the balance each month and stay on budget. That means you're having to pull money from other categories in your budget, and more likely than not, it's the savings category that will suffer. So you're not carrying a balance, but you're not getting ahead either. Here's a bit more psychology. The Journal of Consumer Research reports that you're more likely to increase your connection to something you've purchased if you use cash instead of a credit card. That seems to make sense. The more difficult something is to acquire, the more you value it. But you don't have to take the word of researchers in an ivy tower somewhere. You can test this yourself. Just look back over your last few credit card statements to see what you've purchased. And then ask yourself, how attached am I to those things? You may not even remember buying some of that stuff. So the lesson there is the more susceptible you are to making off-budget impulse purchases, the more you'll benefit by not using a credit card and paying with cash instead. Now, we talked about how using a credit card may increase your spending, even if you manage to stay on budget, but that will be more difficult to do if you use plastic instead of cash. Use of a credit card can make it more difficult to know whether you're staying on budget for the month. You can also find yourself short of cash after paying the monthly bill. So again, you're robbing from category Peter to pay category Paul. In short, using a credit card can make simple budgeting much less simple. 
Of course, if you use the FaithFi app to set up your budget and track your expenses, you'll know in real time if you're staying on budget or not. So we highly recommend you download it. It actually has a digital form of the tried and true envelope system to stay on top of your spending. Okay, here's another potential hidden cost to using a credit card. It's the tendency to use it as a crutch, a bailout when things go bad. That can turn a one-time isolated problem into a long-term recurring debt. Now, how does that happen? Well, it's simple, really, by not having an emergency fund. Remember when I said that overspending with a credit card may result in under-saving? Well, this is a prime example. If you have the mindset that your credit card will save you if you lose your job or you have a major medical issue or a car wreck, then you're not going to save for those unfortunate events ahead of time. And those things always happen sooner or later. If you have an emergency fund with three to six months living expenses and liquid savings, we recommend an online bank to get the best interest rate, you're prepared for the worst. You'll have the cash you need to weather whatever financial storm comes up. Without it, you have to rely on a credit card or some other type of borrowing, which means you're automatically in the hole, and now you have to dig your way out, paying interest all along the way. So, if you don't have an emergency fund in place... Start saving today. Set a goal of $1,500, then one month's expenses, then two, and so on, until you have at least three months' worth. So those are the hidden costs of using a credit card. And we're not saying you shouldn't. Just be aware of the impact it can have on your budget, even if you pay it off in full each month. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and we'll be right back. What's most important to you when it comes to choosing your financial advisor? Someone who's aligned with your biblical values? How about someone who will take the time to explain your options? Certified Kingdom Advisors are professionals who meet high standards in competence and integrity and have been trained to offer biblical financial advice. To find a Certified Kingdom Advisor in your area, visit faithfi.com and click Find a CKA. God has entrusted his finances to you, and we at FaithFi have designed our FaithFi app to help you live, give, owe, and grow with that perspective. Our FaithFi app is the leading biblically-based finance app. You can manage your money, get top biblical financial resources, and interact with a community of like-minded believers, where you can ask questions, get answers, and share what you're learning. Go to faithfi.com and click the word app to get started. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. This is where we apply the wisdom from God's Word to your financial decisions and choices as we gather together each afternoon. So what are you thinking about? We'd love to tackle it with you. Whatever financial question you have, we've got lines open, perhaps one just for you. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Again, 800-525-7000. Back to the phones we go to Florida. Hi, Julia. Go right ahead. Oh, hi. Hi, Rob. Um, thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm a faithful listener. And, Great. Um, was, yeah, I'd like to get some advice. Um, sure. Um, my mother um, passed away last year. Mm-hmm. I had been caregiving for, and uh, her house was then left to both my sister and I. And uh, 
so uh, we were thinking of selling the house. The only thing is that I don't have a place actually to go to, and I would have to either, you know, I have to find something. And um, I have a a financial advisor, um, and um, she suggested that I take what I receive from, from the sale and to put that into a, a couple of high-income yield um, is in their, the PEMCO fund um, okay. and an Eaton Vance tax-managed um, uh, fund. And I, uh, to generate some, some income um, to, then, to perhaps then rent a place, um, I'm in in Florida, and um, housing here is, um, is pretty high, so yes. um, I, I just don't have a lot to work with uh, yes. in buying a house, and I just yes. wanted to get your help. And yeah, advice. well, I appreciate that. I'm sorry to hear about your mom's passing. So the home has already been sold, is that right, Julia? No, it has not Yeah. Oh, okay. No. All right. Um, needed to get some things uh, ducks in a row first to see, okay. you know, what options I have. And, and okay. Now, are you living in the home currently? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if you, uh, and is your, your sibling living in it as well or just you? No, no, just myself. I okay. Think. And what is her desire? Would she like to have it sold? Um, that's, yes. Yeah. I mean, I had, we had talked about myself you know, buying her part out, but um, I I don't have a lot um, of, I, I'd have to take from my portfolio um, that, and I have like 350 in that, and um, I have like 50000 for in savings, and I, I don't have like a, um, like a, IRA or, or a pension. I just have my social security. Okay. So I was concerned of taking out from my um, portfolio, my investment, because I kind of would drain that. And that's kind of my income producing, it's producing my income more okay. with my social security. Yes. So you've got 350000 in investments. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then if you were to sell this house, what would your portion of it equal? Well, uh, it would be just about 140. Okay. Um, All right. There, there was a home equity loan that has to get paid off too. Okay. So, that- so after you pay off the loan and then you split it, you should have about 140 left. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you've got about a half a million dollars in potential uh, investments. Obviously, 140 of that's still tied up in the house. And then, did you say um, what are your income sources right now? Uh, really, just the invest all the dividends from my uh, investments, and then some Social Security. Okay, so you're basically yeah. living on Social Security, and then how much are you pulling out from the investments each month, roughly? Um. Around uh, fifteen hundred. Around sixteen hundred a month. 
fifteen hundred a month. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, you know, if you were to put these together and you had a half a million dollar portfolio and you were coming to me, I'd say, you know, you could, you'd probably at that point in order to allow it to, you know, last for a long time, uh, you know, perhaps, you know, as long as you need it to, uh, because you could sustain the um, withdrawal rate, I would probably target a 4% rate, which would put you at about up to 1600 a month. But that's with a half a million. Obviously, today, you know, you're at, uh, I think you said 350,000. I'd probably be looking to pull only about 14,000 uh, a year, which is about 1100 a month. So you're pulling a little bit more than that, but you're about to add potentially another 140 to it. So that's good. If you could stay around 1500 plus social security and cover your expenses, then you should be able to maintain that half a million dollar balance, arguably for the rest of your life. I mean, there'd be some fluctuation, but if you look at it over the long haul, and then what I would probably do is, you know, you've got to figure out the allocation of the investments that fits your risk tolerance. But typically in this season of life, you might have as much as you know, 30% in stocks and the balance in bonds. And this happens to be, although last year was really bad, we're coming into a season where bonds are going to be very attractive because interest rates are nearly done, you know, going up and eventually they'll start coming down and we've got higher yields and those falling bond prices will cause the prices of the, or or falling interest rates will cause the prices of the bonds to increase. So I think, you know, if you had a portfolio of a half a million dollars that was managed by an advisor with maybe 30% stock, 70% bonds, I would say you should be in pretty good shape to be able to maintain that withdrawal rate for the rest of your life, uh, you know, as long as you didn't have to pull more than that. Now, the one challenge you've got is, I assume that $1,500 a month plus Social Security doesn't include um, a mortgage or a rent payment, correct? That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's so right. how much yeah. would you need, you know, on top of that, another 1000 1500 maybe? Uh, probably about fifteen, and and that's why um, my advisor was was looking at these this Pemco and the Eaton Vance. Okay. Um, one was a ten percent, and one was an eight point nine percent. Yeah, and I'm not. I would have to look at those funds a little more specifically. I'm familiar with those fund families, but I'd need to see the specific investments inside of them. But the bottom line is, you know, you without taking a lot of risk, you're not going to be able to get that kind of guaranteed rate by any means. Um, so I think the the goal is going to be for you to try to minimize, you know, what you have to pull out of it, and if you have to increase that to three thousand a month even on a half a million dollars, if we pulled 5% a year, you know, that's only 25,000, um, you know, which is about two twenty one hundred a month. Uh, but you're talking about going up to 3000, which, you know, on a half a million dollars is about, uh, you know, about 7%, uh, which is, is, a, is a bit high. Now, obviously you could slowly eat into some of the principal and, you know, that might be what you need to do. Uh, if you could offset that by working part-time or something like that, or find a way to get your expenses down, obviously that would be another solution to this. But um, I think getting some wise counsel, having an advisor take responsibility for this to manage it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I wouldn't be buying an annuity. I'd be keeping access to my capital, but then just managing it in a way that's appropriate, not taking unnecessary risk, but having some allocation to stocks where you can have a growth component to this and then relying primarily on fixed income or bond type investments. So it sounds like you're in pretty good shape, Julie. I think it's just a matter of tweaking 
tweaking the investment mix, and uh, I'd rely on your advisor for that. We appreciate you being on the program today. We'll be right back. If the heavy burden of debt is robbing you of freedom and peace of mind, Christian Credit Counselors can help. We're a nationwide nonprofit credit counseling organization that has helped over 300,000 individuals in the last 27 years get out of credit card debt 80% faster while honoring that debt in full. To learn how Christian Credit Counselors can help you, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org or call 800-557-1985. We're grateful for support from Eventide Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. Eventide's approach to values-based investing is grounded in the belief that humankind was created in the image of God with intrinsic dignity, value, and worth. Eventide calls this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at eventideinvestments.com. That's eventideinvestments.com. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls and questions today, 800-525-7000. Let's head back to the phones to Orlando, Florida. Hi, Deborah. Go right ahead. Yes, hi. Um, so really appreciate your program. I am, I'm a disabled senior, and I'm downsizing uh, because of my financial situation. Um, really having some issues with that, but the I have a... I call her my nice niece, but she's not legally my niece and she's not blood, but she's been a a friend for a long time. She's got some issues, but I was, I'm trying to, right now I'm trying to sell my house because I don't have any income. I'm downsizing, but she's, she's in a financial um, crisis of her own and has some big issues. And the the thing that the issue is that I had originally thought that she was going to be executor of my state because she's, you know, she's even closer than my, than my blood relative, my cousin. And, um, so I, I thought she was, you know, uh, while she was here for a month, you know, to help me and, you know, she's working remotely in my, in my home office right now. And I thought I was going to have her co-sign on, you know, be joint owner in some of my accounts, but she's, she's got a really bad financial history. She got divorced after 16 years because she, her husband just was tired of it. She bought a car and that was like the last straw for him. And, so now she's she's like sixty thousand dollars in debt um, on credit cards, and uh, she was thirty five. And then her boy, her new boyfriend, co-signed a loan for her because she couldn't get it on her own. And now, and then she had zero balance on all the other cards. And they um, now she she got another she she's loaded them mm-hmm. up again, and and it's just a nightmare. So I mean, she's she's like three months behind. I don't know. I, and I'm I need her. I need help, but I financially I just don't know how to help. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're picking an executor, this is obviously an important role for somebody to have, and it's important that you pick the right person. Now, you can go with a family member or friend, uh, but you also could use an attorney or a financial planner or even a corporate uh, trustee. If you are going to use an individual, I think it's important to have somebody, first of all, and this might disqualify this individual who's in good financial standing. I mean, they need to have suitable personal finances of their own, uh, people with credit, you know, 
know, creditors and liens against them and no credit history. I mean, that they're uh, often not even going to be able to get bonded, uh, which is a form of insurance that many courts may require, uh, which serves the purpose of paying beneficiaries if the executor, uh, you know, happens to take off of the estate funds. Not that you're worried about, at least in what I'm hearing, you know, whether or not she's going to handle this appropriately, but uh, at least from an ethical standpoint, but that is an issue that you're going to have to consider. And then beyond that, you want somebody who's a responsible party. Uh, you know, this is someone who's going to have to communicate clearly with the beneficiaries, make sure that everything is documented, um, you know, details, effective communication, making hard decisions. Um, you know, those kinds of things all need to be addressed by the executor. And so uh, now you want somebody, you know, at least uh, a little younger, ideally. Location usually doesn't matter, but it's helpful if they're they're close by. Um, and then obviously somebody who's patient, emotionally grounded, who can kind of work through all these things. So I think you just need to evaluate whether she, in fact, may not be the right person here. And if not, then the question is, is there another, another trusted friend or family member that might fit the bill? And if not, at that point, you could look for an attorney or a corporate uh, trustee that could serve in that role. Yeah, um, I I mean, my nearest relatives are up in Maryland. I mean, they're, you know, so it's like 1,100 miles away or something. I have my church family here. I mean, I literally, I lost my dad, and he was, he was like my everything a couple of years ago. So I just, you know, I mean, I, I need, also need someone that could be my, you know, my health care yeah. surrogate, you know, to, to, to handle decisions. So, I mean, because I'm all by myself, and so... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on my um my two close friends from my my girlfriends from Bible yeah. study um and I I'm gonna talk to them about it because uh, you know they they'd be better, probably a better choice locally here for me and uh, I appreciate you're welcome. Your that really sounds helps, uh, I, sounds know, like a good decision. I would uh, yeah. definitely check out some other options. Thanks for being on the program today. Uh, to St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hi, Sherry. How can I help you? Hi, um, thank you for taking my call. I have a question on, I um, did a debt consolidation because I have some really bad health health issues and my medical bills were um, out of control. And now they, the debt place settled. I had one um, that was $12,354.66 and they, they settled for $6,000. $224.42. Now, there, I'm calling to see if, because it's a medical issue, do I have to pay the tax in, um, on the difference of the of the amount of 61 Yeah, I would plan on that. You're likely going to get a Form 1099-C for each debtor uh, for whom you canceled $600 or more of debt uh, that was owed. So uh, you will um, be needing to look at, uh, at that uh, as a form that will be coming your way that you'll need to report on your taxes, and that will all be taxable. So um, I would go ahead and count on that so that doesn't catch you by surprise in terms of what you owe. That's what I, that's, yeah. Do you know what the rate of, of, um, to be taxed for? Uh, it'll be added to your taxable income for the year. So whatever your tax rate is, effective tax rate based on the income that you have, uh, it'll just be added in with the rest of your income. 
Well, thank you very much. That was very helpful because I've already started to put money away for it because I, I figured it out and I thought it would be, a, um, I went online, I looked online and it said it would be about 7%. Yes. Um, so I put 10% away. Okay. I'm putting 10% to make up with it. Okay. Thank yeah, you very much. And this much. may be the year to use a, uh, a CPA or tax preparer if you have some questions on this, but uh, it will likely be uh, considered a source of income. So I think you planning now will avoid you having some challenges down the road with a bill that you, you can't pay. And so now's the time to plan for it. Thanks for calling, Sherry. We appreciate you being on the program today. Well, folks, uh, we are about out of time. Uh, so appreciate you being along with us today. You know, we covered a lot of ground and, you know, as we talk talk about managing money God's way, uh, you know, it really starts with this understanding that we've been placed in a pretty significant position, and that is we're money managers for the King of Kings. So we want to be found faithful in managing those resources. We do that by going back to God's Word to find those principles that we can apply to the decisions we're making every day. But here's where it begins. It begins by recognizing our identity in Christ and not falling into the trap of the world's way of handling money, which is built on greed and materialism and covetousness. It attaches our self-worth to our net worth. We need to reject all of that and pursue a biblical worldview of money management. That's what leads ultimately to freedom and generosity and the ability to see God's heart with an eternal perspective as we manage our money. We are so appreciate you being along with us today. Hey, on behalf of my team, Dan Anderson, Amy Rios, Gabby T, and Robert Sutherland, I'm Rob West. Come back and join us tomorrow. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you. 